Fires, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it. You love it. It's Victory Lane. This week on the show, you see it's episode 34 from the title. We have Ben Rhodes on the show. But before that, we're going to talk about the bonkers ending that happened at Kansas Speedway as the playoff field is now down to eight drivers from 12. Then we'll get into my one-on-one chat with... Ben Rhodes, which seemed like an hour of Thor Sport Racing. It was it was so much fun chatting with him. I think, and I know I said this before, maybe with Matt Benedetto or something, but I, I really think this is one of, if not the best episode interview that we have had on the 2.0 iteration of Victory Lane. It was just so cool. I felt like I was chopping it up with a friend that I've known for years and years and years. So I look forward for you guys to hear that. And we're going to have a brief preview of Martinsville for the Cup Series and Kern County Raceway Park for the K&M Pro Series West. Of course, we will wrap things up with Lug Nuts of the Week. So let's get started with this episode as we do usually. Give me that good old reggaeton! Hollywood Casino 400 at Kansas Speedway. Denny Hamlin delivers, wins his fifth race of 2019, holds off Chase Elliott, to win in the Great Plains. He seems to be hitting his stride once again at the right time. I feel like I've said that two or three times on this show because he seems to win at the right time and dominate when he does so. And Denny delivers, dominates again in Kansas. You know, really a dominant car uh, the second half of the race. Um, you know, when we were able to take the uh, lead from Martin there, um, I knew that he's uh, obviously very strong and we just. Once we got out front, I could really give what I felt like was the right information as far as what my car was doing um, to, to Chris, and then he made adjustments as the race went on. And, and so we, uh, we got better, uh, you know, held off a charge there from the 18. I felt like, you know, when I needed to get a lap to, to keep my distance, I could go out there and get it, uh, but didn't make unnecessary, unnecessary change, uh, risk. Uh, of, of putting my car in bad spots. So I thought, you know, the strength of us really was being able to move around the racetrack and run, you know, close to the same lap time no matter what lane we were in. And that kind of allowed me to get through traffic uh, the way we did and, and then obviously hold those guys off at the end. So let's go back for a second here. Joey Logano ends up winning stage one after being two laps down, 34th place, I believe, with a vibration. Because And I was just listening to another podcast. They brought up a good point. Team Penske in the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series, the 22 car had loose wheels or a vibration on the first green flag run of the race, not after pit stops. So that meant that that was a quality control error on their part. But Joey Logano and Todd Gordon and the 22 team, great rebound for them to come back in stage one and not only get stage points, but win the damn stage. They got 10 points in that stage, and that wound up paying dividends because the middle of the race was... Eh, it was fine. It wasn't too exciting. But then Ryan Blaney, he shreds some tire debris with 15 to go. That is the changes everything caution that comes out. So you have a restart. A couple more cautions. One involving Logano, who spins through the um, the front stretch grass. He keeps it relatively clean, though. And then on the final restart in overtime, Chase Elliott's second. Denny Hamlin's first. Danny gets a really good launch. And he goes on to win the race. But Brad Keselowski and NBC did a great job of this. They had a double box of the battle for the win and a battle with Brad Keselowski trying to scratch and claw his way back up the the running order for a few more positions because he was falling back like a rock, getting past left, right, and center. So Elliott is competing for the win at this point. I believe he thinks that he has to win the race. So somehow, some way, he gets in because Brad falls out he finished 19th after having a 20 point buffer coming in to the round of 12 finale so he was pretty much at a loss for words basically saying you know what we just we did not have it today and it's crazy to think about too because remember this at kansas earlier this year 
the two team won the race. So you figure, all right, they're going to be good coming back to Kansas. You know, they got a 20-point buffer. Joey Logano is even below them, his teammate. He'll be fine. Just do his usual thing. Run inside the top 10. Run inside of the top 5. Compete for a win. A-OK, you'll have some mojo going in the round of 8. DJ Record Scratch. Nope, that ain't going to happen. So they do not advance to the round of 8. Joey Logano advances by the skin of his teeth. Chase Elliott advances by the skin of his teeth. So now joining those two drivers are Kyle Larson and Ryan Blaney by virtue of their wins at Dover and Talladega, as well as Denny Hamlin. Kyle Busch gets in. Martin Truex Jr. gets in. Kevin Harvick gets in. So once again, those eight drivers, Larson, Blaney, Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Truex, Harvick, Logano, and Elliott. Those are the eight drivers that will compete for four spots in the championship four. And I'm telling you right now, I did not see Larson there. I did not see Blaney there. And I, I did see Elliott there, but given his points position after Talladega and when I talked to him for NBC Sports Washington, I didn't see him advancing. But that's why you got to stay in the fight. Go Nats. Interview time. I teased it at the top of the show. It's one of the best ones that I think we've had on Victory Lane so far. It is Gander Outdoors Truck Series racer for Thor Sport Racing, Ben Rhodes. I wrote in my notes, this is 100% my favorite conversation to date. So I'm going to stop saying that, uh, and I hope you guys will just enjoy the conversation instead of me talking about it. It was just really easy and fun talking with Ben. So we, we started off uh, pronouncing the word Louisville. It's not Louisville. It's not Louisville. It's Louisville. Kentucky, where he's from, uh, talked about how he's a first-generation racer and how he got his start, uh, all the people watching that they did through small-town America when they were working their way up. When racing kind of became a real thing and not a hobby, it became sort of a thing that they wanted to pursue. Um, driving a late model for Marcus Ambrose, that was a really fun conversation uh, and tangent that we went on with some Australian accents. Hope you like that accent there down under. Plus, uh, some great stories from those days, and he actually lived with him. The 2014 k East title with Turner Scott Motorsports and how those days were something else. And then looking back on those days, once he got to the Xfinity Series with Junior Motorsports and reflecting on how good those days were and some self-reflection in terms of, you know, should I be here? Am I this good? Winning at Kentucky, his home track, finding a home now with Thor Sport Racing and how it's made it, how he has become tougher through some hardships that he has gone through throughout the course of his career. And if King Ben ruled the world, we'll see what he has to say about that in terms of the NASCAR schedule and more. So without further ado, I present to you my one-on-one chat with King Ben, Louisville native, Australia impersonator, Ben Rhodes. Now I'd like to welcome on Ben Rhodes to the show. We were just talking about my windscreen, but we call it a spit guard. Is that what we call it? Yeah, because I like to get really close to the microphone. Well, that's <laughs> like, that's why you put it on here. That's yeah, good. We have okay. levels, and I will adjust said levels because we get close. That's oh, a, cool. That's how we do it. Cool. So you're going to give me one-word answers for all the questions, right? If you ask one-word questions, I'll give you one-word answers. All right. <laughs> that sounds good to me. I'll try to, I'll try to ask multiple-word questions so we have multiple-word answers. That works sounds for me. Like a plan? Yeah, I'm used to those. Good. Well, I'm not like the rest of them, so I'll have a good time. <laughs> so let's start from the very start. You're from Louisville. 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 Sorry. Yeah, let, let's go over that first. Louisville. Louisville. Yes. There you go. You got it. You're already a native. I should, I, so I should sound You just like slur it. The, the more Louisville. you slur it. Just act drunk. Yeah, basically. The more you slur it, the more native you are to Louisville. Louisville. Yeah, there Louisville, you are. Louisville, Kentucky. When people try to pronounce it Louisville or Louisville, Louisville, I'm like, it just, you know. okay, Louisville is just dumb. Like, yeah, but that's like how people say it, Louis or Louis. That's just dumb. Yeah. L- Louisville, I get. I used to say Louisville. Now I say Louisville. 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 <laughs> okay, so you're from Louisville, right? Yep. So take me back to then when you were a young kid. What did you race? When did you race? How did you race? You know, all all that. How did that all start for you? Yeah, so I, I never had any family members that have ever raced before. It, it, it First really generation. just... Yeah, it just came about because my dad liked cars. My mom liked cars. I liked cars. And we were fortunate enough to have a little bit of acreage growing up. And uh, with that, we put in some jumps in the backyard. We had a, pr- a pretty long driveway, and it had a turnabout area. Uh because we lived on a hill and you couldn't really turn around very well. So we had this like little circle and um, I could turn around and 
driveway and I found out real quick, oh, it's like an oval track. So my brother and I'd be out there for hours on go-karts and four-wheelers and dirt bikes. And uh, my mom, I guess, and dad were looking out the window one, you know, weekend afternoon and saw that me and my brother were having competitions on who could water the driveway down and then spin the cart around and the most amount of 360s and still go in the same direction. Is that the entertainment in Louisville? That's the entertainment we had growing <laughs> up. And hey, you know what? It, it, me and my brother were hooked on it. My parents said, you know, we, we ought to look into doing something more with these kids because they obviously enjoy it. So uh, my parents took me out to a go-kart race. We watched for a few weeks, and we got hooked instantly just watching, and, and then we started driving. Uh, but driving didn't really come natural, at least the first few races for me. I got I got ran over. I went multiple laps down. I drugged the leader across the start-finish line with my rear bumper. Yikes. Um, yeah, it was a mess. It was a mess <laughs> to start. Um, but, you know, we – stayed the course and my dad was my crew chief for years and years and years and he would read all the books and try to interpret it the best he could to a little seven-year-old and he did a really good job and uh very fortunate for them to you know to do that with me at a young age and to put that much effort into it it was a lot of work but man we loved it it's some of the best memories i have in my life i was gonna say most of the drivers that i talked to because i always like to ask that question because it seems like they perk up and they smile because that's when not that racing isn't fun now, but it's more of a business. It's more yes. of a job. Yeah, You're absolutely. still having fun, but back then, it was purely fun. It was nothing but fun, nothing but family time. Now you have commitments. You have schedules to keep. Right. You have sponsors to entertain. That's just and part of it. Fans and stuff, and, and that's part of it. So it's not as much focus on the racing. The racing doesn't take up as much as your time as it did when it was go-karts. When it was just go-karts, it was purely racing all the time. And you didn't have to worry about the business and stuff that comes with it. Uh, but that's that's the nature of the beast, and I love it all the same. But, again, my best memories. I mean, I'm with my family. We're on the road. We've got our dogs with us, and, and we're loaded up. Me and my brother and sister, we're all racing. And just the funny things you see in small-town America, you know, and the people you meet. I'm you're sure just, you have endless stories. Where do these people come from? <laughs> and we're racing go-karts with them, and it's just – it's so fun. We'll sit around on the holidays and we'll just talk about old times racing these carts and the funny people we met, the funny people we raced against. And like you said, it's the best memories I have in my life. So, like, when did it get serious for you then? Uh, like, when did it become a thing where you're saying, all right, I'm going to pursue this as a career? Well, we got serious not as a, like as a career. Uh, we got serious immediately in go-karts. We like to do it because okay. winning is fun, right? Yeah. So we wanted to win. And then eventually it became, well, I really would like I, – I learned about NASCAR, and I didn't grow up a NASCAR fan initially. I wasn't, like, five years old and hooked on NASCAR. My family never raced. We didn't know what racing was. We just knew that we loved cars. My dad had a bunch of cars we'd work on every weekend. We loved four-wheelers, dirt bikes, all that stuff. And eventually I learned of NASCAR, and, and I watched it every single weekend I wasn't racing, and I'd catch up on the ones that I missed. And I had my favorite drivers, and I started going to the racetracks and watching, and I found out that – you can actually race for a living. Like, you don't have to go work. You can go race. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the coolest thing. So I was hooked immediately. And from that point forward, I knew that's what I wanted to do, but had no clue how to get there. <laughs> my parents had no clue how they would even help me along the way or, or how they'd help try to figure out what my path would be. Um, so we just we just played along. We just figured it out as we went. And so far, so good. Um, it was a journey, but we're here now. Well, that that's part of what makes it fun, though, because the, you know, the Avengers they say part of the journey is the end, right? The end is far, but the journey is part of the fun that gets you to where you are now. That yeah. that's like what you look back on, like you were saying, all those people. Who are you? How did <laughs> yeah. you get here? What are you doing? Well, sometimes I like to question my parents. I'm like, you guys let me do that when I was little, and I'm not talking about racing. I'm talking about some of the stuff we do at the racetracks. <laughs> like, I'm like, you let me do what now? And I'm like, there's no way. If I had kids, I'm like, there's no way I would let them do that. <laughs> I'm like, I always thought you all were so strict growing up. And I now I realize they just gave me the run of the land. It's <laughs> like, hey, here, they're like, stay in between this boundary and this boundary. Do your thing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I was like cattle, free-range chickens. <laughs> I'm out here wandering around. And uh, it, it's funny. I, again, the memories that we made in carts, I think that's some of the best memories you can have of your life and certainly in racing. Absolutely, for sure. I read this. Tell me if I'm right. In 2012, you signed to drive a late model for Marcus Ambrose? I did, yeah. 
Yeah. How so, the heck did that happen? Well, so Marcos had his own race team, and now everybody knows Marcos has moved back home. He's, right. he's out of racing. But he's at that under. time, yeah, he's down under. <laughs> he's living in the down, land down under. Land down under. Yeah. With shrimp on the barbie there. Yeah, he is. Kangaroos with, and Bondi. Without back Jack. Yes. Yeah. Free blooming onion there. Yeah. Jeez, you're good. You got it I'm down not, pat. I'm pretty good at accents. You're yeah. pretty good at That's it. That's what they tell me. Uh, I got my Louisville down, and now I got yeah, my... Uh, you're a native now. Got my Aussie and my Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. You, you kind of look like Marcos. I look like Marcus Ambrose. A little bit. That's the first time I've ever... Really? I, I kind of see it. You probably... Because uh, I have a receding hairline. Well, no, it's the, ko- the koala. You know, all the people down there look a little <laughs> bit like a koala. <laughs> Thank you, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody likes koalas. <laughs> yeah. I'm cute and cuddly. <laughs> Well, <laughs> that's, what my girl, that's what my girlfriend says. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, Anyways. we've we've gone off the rails. Yes, Where were we? we? Uh, Marcus Ambrose, twenty twelve, okay. late models. So yeah, uh, Marcos. I don't know how we got hooked up with him. Okay, so here's how it goes. We we went down to North Carolina. I said, all right, I've been running Legend Cars for a couple of years, and we just won forty three races that year. That was like the most of anybody. Forty three. Yeah. Just Legends. dropped that like like it's well, nothing. Well, we were going for a run at the championship, and we missed the championship. They only take your twenty five best races in Legends. Okay. Well, somebody else had just got twenty five wins, so now we're tied on points. We came out here to Las Vegas at the Bull Ring, and uh, one set on the pole, won my heat race, and then I got wrecked by a lapper in the main race. So I lost the championship that year, but we won a bunch of races. And I think it was the most of anybody in the world in Legends. And um, it's impressive. So we kind of used that as fuel, like, hey, you know, we think we, we've we done what we need to here. Let's find the next path. And we talked to Kenny Schrader. We talked to a bunch of different late model teams. I mean, we were talking to whoever we could because we just didn't know anybody. We, had, we knew not a soul. And we were trying to open up doors any way we could. Kenny led us here. Somebody led us to Kenny. And it just – one, it snowballed one thing to another. It's like and the, the six degrees of yeah, yeah, exactly. And we followed those six degrees to Marcos, and we liked the team. We liked the people. And he uh, he pointed <laughs> – we had our first meeting with him. He says – he's like, I can't even – you have to do – you're going to have to impersonate Marcos because <laughs> okay, I can't okay. even do it. All right. He points under his arm. He holds his arm up like a wing, and he points here. And he's like, you, uh, you know, he, we just signed on with his team. He's like, you're going to be right here in the next part of the year. I'm like, in your armpit? Like, I'm confused. He's like, no, under my wing, mate. <laughs> and I'm my like, wing, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, he did. He took care of me for the for for the year that I was with him. And I uh, lived in North Carolina, spent a lot of time with him. And what I learned from Marcos is it wasn't so much about the racing that I learned from him. It was the business, which was good for myself and my family because – we didn't know what the business of racing is. We didn't know, you know, all the ins and outs that come with it, the PR, the sponsors, all that stuff. I mean, that's new to me. I, we come from Louisville, Kentucky. My, my dad worked on air conditioners. My brother works on computers. And uh, we didn't know any of this stuff. So he, he taught me the most of anybody as far as the business goes. And he did a fair amount teaching me in, in race cars too. Um, that was the whole reason for staying down there and working with them. Well, after that, uh, after 2012, I believe his team carried on for maybe one more season, or that was the last season, and it ended up going with uh, Hawk McCall Motorsports, and that was my crew chief, actually, when I was with okay. them. So it, it all worked out in, in a great way, and still friends with Marcos today. I haven't talked to him in a little bit, though, so I'm going to have to make a phone call down under. Yeah, make a phone call down under. Yeah, you are. Dude, you can are, do your accent for him. You Actually, are like, you can call him. I'll act as you. That's perfect. Being I'll give Australian. you a script. Yeah, give me a script. I'll be here. I'll be here tonight, after qualifying or whatever. Just write the script. Call me up. We'll call him. It'll work out. Are you Tasmanian? I'm the Tasmanian devil. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. I love how this is going off the rails. Those are the best interviews, honestly. Uh, so let's fast forward a couple years, past 2012, 2014. Okay. You win the K&N Championship with Turner Scott. What do you remember about that year in general? It had to be pretty magical. Yeah, it really was. Um, it's funny because while it was happening, I didn't really realize what was happening. Right. You know, we got our five Almost wins like in a row. too young to appreciate what's going on. Pretty much, yeah. Honestly, I, I, I didn't have the um, the life experience yet, or the experience in the racing world yet to understand. Like this is first full-time year in the Canaan Pro Series, and it was a stout year, lots of competition, and um, I was very appreciative of the position I was in and fortunate for the team I was on, but I just didn't really – I knew we were winning, 
but I guess I just didn't appreciate how hard it was to actually win because I had such an awesome team and, and we were working so well together. There was a lot of magic between myself and my crew chief. Like we just understood each other and he would bring, you know, these awesome cars to the racetrack. And then, you know, I didn't even have to like, I, I'd open my mouth up and before I could complete my sentence, he's like, I already got an idea of what you need. And like, we just got each other. And I don't know. It was a magical year. We, we won those five races in a row and then, uh, we were going to break the record, and, and, like, that started setting in a little bit, but then once we stopped winning the races for the end of the season, mm-hmm. then I said, oh, wow, I don't think I was appreciating oh, what damn, we had we going that. on. Yeah, like, I didn't appreciate what we had going on. Yeah. The competition was catching up to us, and it was um, it was a special year. It really was, and, you know, I haven't had success like that since then. I've had success. We've won races. We've got polls. We've done stuff like that, but not – in that fashion you know everybody wants to be dominant and win five races in a row and and do that but i hadn't had success like that since then and as a driver i think that puts perspective on a career as a whole like you know you don't know when the next time it is that you're gonna win yeah. you know from my last win in 2014 it, i didn't get another win until 2017 yeah like <laughs> those were dark times yeah, i'm sure yeah <laughs> Take me there, though. Like, like, what were those times like? Did you ever question yourself? Did you ever say, you know, what am I doing wrong? What can I do? Oh, well, for sure. You move up to the next level, and then you run part-time, and then the team's not running the best. So then when you hop in the truck or the car, you know, you're not doing your best because you're just a part-time guy, and you're getting behind on your competitors. You're seeing your competitors advance and getting better, and you're staying the same, and it was tough. Uh, then I got into here at Thor Sport Racing, and they've been – give me good equipment and and i've had the chance for to race for wins every single year um but it's always something that we missed out on i think and then finally we were able to put it together in 2017 2018 and it's weird though because last year and this year we've had a ton of speed but for whatever reason we have had the worst luck and i don't know what that is i've never had luck this bad for two years straight in my life before i don't know why what's happening I mean, I can just name a ton of races off for you in the last two years that just things, bizarre stuff is happening. And I've never had that before in my career. So then that gets you thinking about stuff too. And it's it's a mental sport a lot more than people realize. But I'm in a really good spot now with Thor Sport. I'm in a good spot with myself and knowing my abilities and the confidence I have that comes from knowing the people around you and working with really well-experienced people that can you, get, you know, they can give you that confidence. They, they have that perspective on on racing as a whole and they can they can give you that confidence so i i'm in a good spot now and i can tell you that having gone through those hardships i'm a lot tougher mentally for that and i can tell you that things don't get to me like they used to i stay fairly calm i get angry about little things but i i mean i i feel like i stay fairly calm and and the light of the big picture um because i I feel like I have that perspective to draw off of now. So you've been with Thorsport for what four years now? I'm working on my fourth. Yeah. Is it beer? Does that well? Seem so like I, well, I got wait. Let me. Sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Oh yeah. Okay. So four. I was. Year? I just yeah. did my math wrong. No. No. Yeah. No, I'm working I'm, on no, my I'm fourth. The same yep, way yep. Because when I was researching, I was like, wait, is this? Yeah. Is, can this be? Because I, I still think of you as that young kid who's like fresh out of camp. I'm like the old guy now. Well, you got Johnny as your teammate. Yeah, so, so I guess I'm not that old, am yeah, I? Yeah, I guess you're not that old. But still, like, <laughs> I, I mean, for me, I was like, wow, he's, this is fourth year with Thor Sport. Yeah. Does it seem like that for you? Kind of. I mean, I've, I feel like I've been around for a while now. Um, Sneaky, I feel seasoned. You've, you've sneakily been around for yeah, a while. Yeah, but I, I don't feel like um, – yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, kind of like sneaky. I guess a lot of people don't realize I've been in the trucks for this yeah. many this many years. And if you ask me, like, how long has Ben Rhodes been racing for Thor Sport and trucks, I'd probably say, like, two years. Yeah, it's been – It just doesn't feel like that. No, and it's gone by fast. It really has. Uh, it, it really has. And, I mean, that's the story of life, I guess, for anybody, right? Like, life will sneak up on you, but yeah. – I'm becoming the old guy in the series. I'm 22 now, and before I know it, you're going to see me coming out there with my walker to the <laughs> yeah. truck, and i got to put that hey, in the I'm passenger door. My walker's in the car over Oh, there. is it? Okay. Yeah, it is. Well, wait till you get your wheelchair. I'll push you around. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. We'll be bros at the nursing home. Down under. Yeah, down under. Nursing home down under. <laughs> so in, in the midst of all that going on, too, I totally forgot this. But you raced 10 times for Junior Motorsports in the Xfinity Series. I did. I, that just completely went out of my mind. I completely forgot that mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. What were those times like well, in the that, Xfinity I, Series? I, kinda, I mean, I kind of touched on it, right? Like the, the part-time, the 10 races, watching other people progress. Right. But 
it was weird because um, I just come from Xfinity or from Canaan, mm-hmm. and like I said, I was still fresh to the whole North Carolina racing scene. I didn't quite understand how well we were doing in K&N. So then my my expectations are like through the roof for Xfinity. Like, All right, let's go in. Let's just go in. Yeah. And <laughs> ain't that easy. No, and well that's the thing though is when I when I went to Junior Motorsports, they were the reigning champs. They had just had a phenomenal season. But when I went to them in 2015, um, they were still quick, but there was they had quick races and then they had a lot of not so quick races. I remember watching Junior in his car and and seeing him running, you know, 10th place or so, 14th place. And I'm like, oh, man, they're struggling a little bit here at Charlotte. And it was concerning to me. And then I would hop in it, and, you know, I'm driving my butt off trying to do whatever I can do. And um, I'm not saying the team didn't have good equipment or whatnot but or that maybe I was missing out on something on my side. Whatever it is, we were just off that year. And I was off. I think the team was off a little bit. so I was trying to drive over my head just to try to make up for – I'm like, surely it's got to be easier than this. Like, yeah. I'm driving harder than I ever have in my life, and I'm, I feel like I'm going nowhere. So, again, I guess not having that perspective of knowing when to go and when not to go, pacing yourself for the race, knowing the big picture perspective of what you're doing in your racing career and when to enjoy it and appreciate it, I, all that stuff led into it. And since then, it's been one giant learning process to lead to where I am now. I feel like if I could go back right now to 2014, 2015, with all the knowledge I have, man, ooh, things would be drastically different. Yeah, it seems like that those couple of years is like when you got humbled a little bit. Well, and I just I didn't have a teacher. You know, I mean, Marcos, after I left Marcos, I didn't have a teacher. I didn't have nobody helping me out and teaching me and coaching me. Um, you know, and this year I've been really fortunate to have TJ Majors as my spotter, and he's been probably my single biggest coach of my career in NASCAR and, and that means a lot to me but just he's got so much experience to draw off of you know a lot of the people that I was working with at time two were learning as they went so what experience can they offer you know they they, they don't have any experience to pull from themselves to coach you uh we're all learning it and in it together so I feel like um had I had a coach things would have gone differently I just I didn't have any family that had done it I had no friends that had done it I didn't know anybody in North Carolina um but I can tell you you know if if I 40, 50 and had a good career in racing, I would try to find another guy that was like me coming into it that has no family, no coach, no friends, no nothing, and I would try to be his coach because it's a tough road when you don't Pay have anybody. Yeah, it's a tough road. And if I could have had just somebody helping me, you know, kind of teaching me along that path, I, I feel like I could have done a little differently. So even so, you said TJ is kind of the guy that's helping you out now. But yeah. even so, at Thor Sport, you got a you got a ton of drivers and you do. a plethora of experience too. Do you ever lean on them? You do, and and I try to lean on those guys, but it's it's different in the sense that um, they're driving their own race cars on the racetrack, right? TJ's watching me intently. When you actually have every an actual single lap, yeah. every single lap, when you actually have somebody there that's on the radio with you and talking to you, I can go talk to Crafton or, or Johnny, right? But at the same time, we're still racing against each other. So, you know, they're going to give you – they're going to help you, but only to an extent. Right. And then on top of that, you can only tell them something after it's already happened, and they have no idea what it is other than how you describe it to them. So there's a huge disconnect between everybody unless they're actually there watching, yeah. experiencing on the radio with you. They're in the truck with you, right? So, again, I never really had anybody like that. So you might have other drivers and stuff you can talk to, but that – what I've learned is that's that's really what it is, is you're talking. You know, yeah. as far as coaching, if you want to coach, you want to get better, you almost have to have somebody in that position doing that for you. Yeah. Um, and that's tough. you got to have basically a coach slash spotter. That's interesting because I never really thought about it like that, but I guess you can, you can make an example to another sport, like let's say football, right? So, like, a coach can come in from another team and say, you're doing this, X, Y, and Z wrong. Mm-hmm. But if there's a coach, like an assistant, let's say, that's been watching you, let's say you're – your defensive lineman that watches you play every single snap in practice, in walkthrough, in the games, they're going to see all the intricacies, the in and outs of everything, mm-hmm. whereas that coach from the outside is just going to say, hey, on this one play, you did this wrong. Fix it. Well, it's almost like that coach didn't even get to see the play. You're just describing the play to him. Exactly. And then he's got to take what you're telling him and try to interpret it and then tell you what you did wrong. So it's even more yeah. more distant than that. You know, it's, it's more of a disconnect than I guess I saw on the surface. Yeah, it's, it's a disconnect between, uh, you know, and that's where 
it's so tough to explain to crew chiefs because that disconnect is still there because they're not in the truck feeling it. You're, you're taking the feel that you feel in your butt, your hands, and you are explaining it to them the best that you can. The good news is they are actually watching it and they see it, but they aren't feeling it right. with you, right? right? So that's where you have to have that driver crew chief magic, that relationship to, to like make the right changes. Like, like 2014, said. yeah. So it's tough. They're, they're, uh, communication plays a bigger role in this sport than I ever realized. Yeah, for sure. Let's go back for a second to high school. So you graduated from Holy Cross High School. I did. And your principal gave you your diploma at Iowa? Yeah, yeah. So he came out to the track. He's always – they had supported me so much through high school because I, I wanted to go where my brother went. And they were like, no way. You're missing – how many year, days a year? I'm like, uh, like 40, 50. Yeah. Like, no way. So I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> so <laughs> I went – Okay, bye. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I went to this school that was by my by my house where I grew up, 10, 10 minutes away or so. And um, – yeah, it was fantastic. It was a small school. My principal, all my teachers were so understanding and helpful. They were fans of, of what we were doing. And uh, so when I did graduate, I couldn't go to graduation. I had my very first Xfinity start that weekend. And I wanted to make sure I'm there and plenty of time for practice and can have meetings with the team and ready to go. And it paid off. Going and missing their graduation paid off. But my president, actually, of the school, principal president, he was in that role. He, he came out to Iowa watched my first race and and presented the diploma on stage for me so that's it was, pretty cool it's special special something i'll remember you're not even the only driver that's done that too I no think cole custer did it Haley deegan did it it just shows you like that's in racing that's the it's like the that's norm. the path i mean that's the path you have to go down mm-hmm. as a young driver is, is you got to take the sacrifice of of missing out on a lot of things at school and uh, missing on your graduation stuff but it's not a sacrifice if you love what you do to me that's not a sacrifice yeah i you <sighs> You would have to really – you have to tie me up to miss going out to Iowa. So, yeah. to me, that's not even a sacrifice. That's just part of it. So, in racing, that's – like you said, it's become the norm. So, let's stick with some racing stuff. You're unfortunately not in the playoffs. Obviously, you'd like to be there. Your teammates are – a couple of teammates are there. But we're in Las Vegas, and you have a win here. So, I, I know you probably like coming to this place more than a couple others. Cue the Las Vegas puns. Go. Uh, roll the dice. What happened? Roll the dice. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I'm gonna increase my bankroll tonight. Did you do that last night? Uh, no, I didn't even. No, I will lose my bankroll. <laughs> I was gonna say you just take that. <laughs> you don't even gamble. Just yeah. Take so uh, we will see. I, we're not in the playoffs, but you know, it's good and bad. Um, I mean, obviously it's horrible that we missed, but. I guess, you know, you try to look at the positives, everything. The positive now is we don't have to play games with everybody on the track. We're here for the win, and I really don't care if you're in the playoffs or not. If you're in my way. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I'm here for the win. So, see you later. I don't – I mean, I'm at the point now in the series where this year we've been taking advantage of quite a bit, and it sticks out in my mind, and, boy, am I mad after the races. I'm so mad. I go talk to the media. I'm smiling. I'm so happy. Oh, yeah, it's a great time. And then I get behind. I'm just so mad. Dude, there's been a couple times where I wasn't at the track, so I wasn't able to talk to you it, after. But on TV, we just see this footage of you in the garage, like, going after something. Well, it's just – it's aggravating because we get taken – I've been taken advantage of for so many years now. And it, I try to always race people with respect and race them the way that I want to be raced. And there's just none of it on the track. And I don't get it. It seems like the only people that do have that are the older guys. Johnny, Crafton, um, well, they're the two that come to mind. But, I mean, really, I mean, they're the ones that I can race with and they are super clean. And Crafton yeah. uh, gives you a lot of room. Johnny will race you hard, and he'll make you so mad in the truck, but he he won't wreck you on purpose. I've known I've known that about him. He'll race you so hard and things might happen, but he doesn't do it on purpose. Like the Ryan Newman of the truck series. Yeah, so I, I don't blame him. You know, racing's racing. Crafton uh, will give you a lot of room, races with a ton of respect, and – it's just it's tough because I always try to race people like that, and yeah, I've just been getting flat run over this year. I've gotten ran over in years past, and it seems like until you start racing people, I mean, I'm racing by this rule, golden rule, do unto others as people will do to you, and I just keep getting walked over. So I'm like, ah, what golden rule? We're going to start racing by Ben's rule. So <laughs> Ben's rule is going to be quite a bit different than the golden rule from here on out, and people can hate you for it. They can not like you for it, but at the end of the day, I've come to the racetrack with my friends in this hauler, the 99 team, Thor Sport Racing. If they got they got those yellow decals on their truck, if they're from Thor Sport Racing, then they're my friends. If they're not, then, you know, 
Bye. Bye. Sorry about your luck. We're here for the win, and I've got to take care of my team. I know how much hard work they put into it, and I know that I've got to keep my sponsors happy. There's a lot of people depending on us, and I'm not going to let other people take that from us. I think Benny the Bull is your new nickname. Benny the Bull. Benny the Bull. Johnny would say Benny the Chihuahua. He says I like to kind of yip, 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 yip. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I feel like I've been trying to back that up this year. That yeah. Benny the Bull. Yeah, I like I don't it. Know. I think it works. Like you said, no more golden rule. It's Ben's rule now. Yeah, it's Ben's rule. I'm not golden rules out the door at this point. I do on to others if they do to you. Exactly. Well, that's, that's what, you what said, they right? did to yeah, me. So exactly. I'm going to do so, to them what hey, they've done. Exactly. You got to do what you got to right? do. Right. So we're here to win. There and is. even though we're out of the playoffs, we're optimistic. We don't have to follow strategies. We don't have to play any other games. We can do whatever strategy we need to do to get ourselves to the front. No stage points. We're just taking care of the wins. And hopefully that'll pay off tonight or pay off tonight. But you never know. These races are wild. They are. I love the truck series. I think for my money, when you when you talk about Cup, Xfinity truck, K&N, Arca, stock cars in general, I think the trucks are the most exciting. Thank you. And the most entertaining series in all of NASCAR. I agree. I, that's not me saying it because I'm talking to you. I, I've said that for years. I agree. Because I've, you got the mix of young guys that, part of my French, don't give a shit. Yep. You got old guys that aren't going to take the people's shit. Exactly. And when you mix those people together. It's fun. And cars are <laughs> flat out drafting to Vegas. It's unreal. So I love it. It's it's almost like the racing is so good in the truck series that other series are, they're trying to model other series to match the racing in the truck series. Because it's so The good. cup package is basically like trucks. Trucks. Exactly. Yeah. But it's still not as good as the trucks. It's, I, I don't I think. Agree. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I just think that the truck series right now has a perfect recipe too. I do. I do. Well, I do too. This is another thing I wanted to ask you. So there's been a lot of talk about the scheduling between all three series. What does your ideal schedule for the truck series look like in terms of oh, track gosh. types and maybe geographically oh, and times of year? I know this We're is a whole other conversation, but hypothetical of Ben Rhodes ruled the world land. A mythical schedule that he would create. Well, we're, we're with Ben's rule now. Oh, we are? Okay. King Ben, here we go. All right, here we King go. King Ben ruled the world. He would have two super speedways. We, we maintain Talladega and Daytona mm-hmm. just because if you're building a super speedway truck, you already got to have the backup, so you might as well do two. I would have Canada's Tire Motorsports Park, name the entire motorsports park, but I'd also add in one or two other road courses, uh, and I'd kind of rotate those. I keep Canada. But then I rotate two other road courses every year, whether that's Watkins Glen and Mid-Ohio or Mid-Ohio and Sonoma or Sonoma. Throw Road America in there. Or maybe a street course. I don't know, just something. I love it. Um, I would like to see uh, some investments into some short tracks like Myrtle Beach. I was uh, there last weekend. Motor Mile, uh, IRP, Irwindale. Uh, run a lot of these short tracks across America that have some nice facilities that are great tracks already. Well, uh, I think it's like if the K&N series is there, why can't trucks go there? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think we a lot of our biggest crowds are, are standalone races. 100%. So I would still like to see um, Atlanta, Kansas, um, Vegas. Kentucky, I'd, I'm Kentucky, sure. my home track. I'd still like to see maybe five or six intermediates. So you'd have five or six intermediates, a couple of those. You'd have some road courses, and then all the rest, you'd have like 12 short tracks. Half the schedules, over half the schedule short tracks all I year. I could not agree more. And then, then you have your, your crazy super speedways. You've got your, you know, your wild uh, road courses. And then you have you know, five or six super speedway events. Or, sorry, intermediate, intermediate events. Yeah, yeah. and that would, um, that would give you a very good mix. Like almost like. going back to the roots of the truck series, like when Hornaday yeah. and Skinner well, and Jack Spray so were all racing. What cracks me up is the roots of the truck series, I've learned from David Pepper, who was here since the beginning, was telling me about they went to this racetrack out west, and to get inside the track to, to race for this big sellout crowd they had, they had to drive their trucks and pull all their equipment through a creek to get up inside the racetrack. So... Maybe we're just spoiled nowadays. I don't know, but I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. If well, that's like at, at Tucson, right? So Tucson Speedway, Truck Series used to race there. So the press box, I'll never forget as long as I live because I go there for K&N stuff. So the press box, it's a 90-degree angle of a ladder just going straight up. Ooh. Then there's a little booth on the left that's probably the size of from where this mirror stretches, and it fits. it's supposed to fit like three, but you squeeze like ten people in there. So like... Seven feet, eight yeah. feet wide. like seven, eight feet Six wide, feet. maybe. And then yeah. there's one on the right where the track announcer sits. Wow. And then to get down, you got to go down that ladder, and you're carrying all your stuff. 
That's what like that's the, that's the hometown short track type feel, and mm-hmm. like the truck series went there at one point. I get that things have changed, and the model has changed, and the money has changed. But if the infrastructure is there, if the fan interest is there, and the driver interest is there, let's make it happen. Yeah, so, I agree. I think we should do it. I'm down with Ben's kingdom. Thank you. You're down for Ben's rule. I'm down for Ben's. All rule. right. Here we go. <laughs> Benny the Bull, Ben's rule. I like it. So let's talk about Kentucky briefly because that was your uh, your second win in the truck series, the Gator Outdoors Truck Series, and I'm sure that win was probably among the short list of the top ones of your career coming at home. That was insane. Uh, again, I don't know if I really appreciate – you just don't appreciate the moments when they're happening. You try. I knew it was special, and I was trying so hard to appreciate it. I'm like, I'm appreciating it, appreciating it. <laughs> I'm not appreciating it enough. enough. Yeah. yeah, like I was trying to enjoy it so much, and well, I did enjoy it. I'll have you know I enjoyed it a whole lot. Uh <laughs> But, man, it was special. Like, yeah. I had friends and family and people that said they were my family that I've never seen before. And, like, it was cool. It was just cool. And it was so funny because I had so many people that I've known throughout the years at Kentucky Speedway that were trying to rush Victory Lane. Like, they were just, yeah, we know Ben since he was this big. And it, I'm sure it's just the case. They know me since I was that big. They are rushing Victory Lane and security's all getting crazy. I'm like, let them in. Let them open the floodgates. <laughs> You know, it was it was so much fun. We had a we had a fantastic time. There was so much, so many people in Victory Lane and pictures being taken that they actually had to tell us to leave Victory Lane by really? the end of the night. Yeah, they were trying to get us out of there. That's fun. <laughs> well, I know that we're getting short on time, so I want to be conscious of that. My last question: Let's talk about next year for for a quick second. Twenty twenty. Obviously, we have a lot of new things coming in with all of NASCAR. What does twenty twenty look like for you, and what do you want it to look like? Well, you know, I, first off, I want to finish 2019 with a few wins. Um, I think we're getting really close. I'm hoping tonight we're going to knock that door down. But 2020, I, I think, looks very promising for Thor Sport Racing and, and for myself. You know, um, I haven't formally signed any contracts or anything like that. Um, you know, I would love to dabble a little bit in Xfinity and Cup, getting some expen- some experience there. You look at like somebody like Ross Chastain, the amount of experience he's getting because he can run three series in a row – I would love to be able to get some of that experience. I think it would make me such a better truck driver. I think it would, you know, it goes back. Experience is king, right? You get that experience, I think it can make you so much better. But we've got some really awesome partners on board this year and uh, another awesome partner that looks like they might be coming on for Very the end cool. of the year. And um, By the way, the Haviland scheme, fire. Yeah, it you love unreal. it? unreal. So we're, we're excited. There's a lot of stuff in the works. Um, nothing's been announced yet, but there's a lot of really, really cool stuff in the works. And I'm just I'm just pumped up. Like, this season, I want to close out with a huge bang, but then 2020 wouldn't be able to get here soon enough. That's true. Well, you'll focus on the here and now while also looking ahead to the future. That's Ben's rule. That's Ben's rule. <laughs> All right, let's go call Marcus Ambrose. All righty, thanks. <laughs> there you have it, party people. Ben Rhodes for Thor Sport Racing. Talked for almost 40 minutes. Thank you to Len Glockner from Thorsport Racing for helping coordinate that conversation. It was, it was a blast. I was actually talking to Tom Bowles at Front Stretch, my boss over there, and I was like, "Yeah, I just talked with Ben Rose for 40 minutes." He goes, "What? How?" I was like, "Well, he's really easy to talk to, and it, it was a great time." So, thank you to Ben, thank you to Len, thank you to Thorsport and everybody who made that conversation possible. I really hope you guys were getting a smile on your face when Ben and I were as well. We're talking about. Mainly Lovell and the OCX since there with Marcus Ambrose. So, it was a great time. Really appreciate his time. I might just see the rest of the show in a little OCX in there. I'm getting better at it. I kind of blur my British and my Australian accents together. Now that I've like actually become somewhat okay at Australian, my British, I think, has suffered. So, I'm going to need to take a quick trip across the pond and try to get that rectified. All right, let's look ahead to the first Data 500 at Martinsville Speedway, the paperclip as some know it, and the Napa Enios 150 at Kern County Raceway Park for the K&M Pro Series West. First off, the Cup guys in Virginia. The first race of the round of eight. Lots of drivers are solid at the paperclip, but I think the most notable one is probably the guy who won at Kansas, Denny Hamlin. Jimmy Johnson, he's always been good there. You think he can maybe get off the schneid? spoil the playoff party that we have if i was a betting man i would say no (laughs) but you never know that's why they go to the racetrack chase elliott was close to a win here a couple years back got into it with denny hamlin um kevin harvick he hasn't won here in forever but he does have a win here before kyle bush has won a handful of times has a lot of grandfather clocks 
and his trophy den and to his repertoire. So 500 laps around the paperclip, a pretty long race when you look at it from a 30,000-foot view. And I hope that the arrow push with the with this package will not play a huge factor because at Martinsville in the spring, I was at that race, and it seemed like all the drivers had to say afterwards was basically, well, it's a shame that we're on a short track and you can't pass because of the arrow package. So hopefully that will be rectified this weekend. But again, if I was a betting man, I would probably say no. But we will see more aggression because it is the round of eight and there is a spot in the championship four on the line. Championship battle in the K&M Pro Series West is not as intriguing as the Cup Series because, one, there's no playoffs, and two, Derek Krause is a maniac. This is race 13 of 14. It is being held in Bakersfield, California at KCRP. Why did I say Derek Krause is a maniac? Well, he's won three out of the last four races at Kern County Raceway Park, and the one time he did not win, he finished runner-up in second place. This is statistically by far his best track. He's talked about it for the last month or so. Excited to get to Kern. Excited to try to get Bill McAnally his 100th win. He's going to have to win out to do so. But if he does it here this weekend, which he is by far the favorite to do so, that will be win number 99 for Bill McAnally Racing. And I believe on the season for Kraus in the k West, it'll be win number 5? I think that's off the top of my head, but... We'll see. And I, and I mentioned the championship battle. He has a 40-point lead right now over Trevor Huddleston in second place. So essentially, as long as he shows up, does not blow an engine on lap one in both races, current this weekend and ISM Raceway here in a couple weekends, and Trevor Huddleston, Haley Deegan, or Jagger Jones do not win, he's got the championship on lock. So that will take place this Saturday night from KCRP at 7.45 Pacific time. So if you're going to stay up late with us on the East Coast, it'll be around 11 p.m. Eastern time on the East Coast. Watch my Nationals. Uh, hopefully do some work that day against the Houston Astros and also have fanschoice.tv streaming on your computer. And I should also say the Cup race will take place Sunday at 2.30 Eastern time at around that time on NBCSN. Look, that's of the week. Cue that music. How about Brandon Jones? He wins his first career Xfinity Series race and it was a pretty wild event on Saturday. You had the Cole Custer and Tyler Reddick fight afterwards. Custer coming up to Reddick, putting his hand on his shoulder and saying, don't race like a dumb you-know-what. Uh, that was intriguing. Uh, and then you had the Garrett Smithley incident where he was a lap car getting in the, the middle of a battle between Chase Briscoe and Christopher Bell for the lead. Sent all three of them through the infield and into the wall, spinning, had a lot of damage. Garrett took all the blame for that one. It was it was just pretty crazy to see it all play out. But Brandon Jones wins the race. He emerges through the smoke, gets into victory lane for the first time in his career in the 19 car for Joe Gibbs Racing. I was one of those guys that rode him off a, a fair amount of time ago, as well as Michael Annette. And I've talked to both of them. They've both been on the show, Brandon Jones more recently. And they both have won races this season. What, what a world we live in. Yeah, man, we've uh, I've been a winner in a lot of different series, um, even outside of NASCAR through NASCAR. Um, this is this is the biggest one I've ever had, man. This is uh, this is huge, um, and I think it even makes it better that um, we've struggled so much to get to this point. Uh, we've had a lot of just junk luck, really, that's uh, put us out of a lot of these races. Um, but I believed in this team um, since the start of this. Um, I always do. And uh, it paid off today, so uh, this is this is big. We're gonna enjoy this for a long time, and uh, I know the first one's the toughest. So hopefully that's a good sign, and there's gonna be more to come. I'll be headed to Los Angeles tomorrow morning, and I'll be using Hertz as my rental car service. They have extended William Byron's sponsorship through 2021. They're gonna have four primary races in the Cup Series, and as Nick Bromberg, who some people do not like, I for one love his work and love him on social media really cool guy too in person he always uh points out the fact that even though he's sponsored by hertz william byron still cannot rent a chevrolet camaro from them because of his age and the the hertz rental card i guess terms of service and age and all that stuff so i, I always find that pretty funny penalties coming out of kansas chris gale was fined ten thousand dollars for a lug nut violation on the 20 car of eric jones no other penalties were announced. That means nothing for the Custer or Reddick altercation. No crew members were fined or penalized or anything like that, which a couple people 
were a little bit surprised about. The RTA, Race Team Alliance, they purchased Speed51.com. That is basically the second fiddle to NASCAR home tracks when it comes to grassroots local short track racing. Not even local short track racing, more like national short track racing. Bob Dillner and company do a great job over there. And there's a lot of questions. You know, why did the RTA make this move? The prevailing sentiment, and I got this from Bob Pockers, of course, basically teams want some more control for their sponsors to be able to see what's going on and kind of like sell it that way, I guess. So, but they did say that Speed 51 is still going to operate as normal as their own little entity. They're just going to have a new ownership group in the form of the RTA. Speaking of new ownership, how about Stewart House Racing in esports? How about that? They win the first eNASCAR Heat Pro League last night uh, as I'm recording this. It is uh, Thursday, October 24th, around 2 p.m. I thought my boy Diego Alvarado for Richard Petty Motorsports thought he was going to get that dub. Um, and full disclosure, I, I don't pretend to know like anything about esports, especially with the Heat Pro League. I know a little bit more about iRacing because I'm not even like ashamed to admit this. I kind of was at first, but I've like watched a couple of the, the iRacing streams, and they're they're pretty fun to watch. And like that racing was really really good at the season finale at Homestead. Zach Novak won for. Rash Fenway. But the end of this E NASCAR Heat Pro League was crazy. So Diego was winning. I texted him what happened. He basically said that the announcers were wrong. So he did not run out of fuel. He had a flat tire. So he just rode the wall in the backstretch. He went down to block the guys that were coming for the win. He's, they, then he got spun out by them. Then they spun each other out. And then the Stewart House Racing winds up winning the championship. So that was, that was pretty crazy and also <laughs> pretty weird. It's catching a lot of flack on Reddit and Twitter. But uh, I support my man Diego, so I'll leave it at that. Thank you guys for tuning in to episode 34 of Victory Lane 2.0. That'll wrap things up from my perspective. I say it every week. I know it sounds trivial. Please, please, please do me a favor. Rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. We are available pretty much wherever you get your pods. iTunes and Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud are the main ones that I set up by myself. So if you haven't left a rating or review, it's very simple. If you don't know how to do it, text me, tweet me. You know how to reach me. I appreciate you all listening. Kathleen at KHI Fan. I know you've listened this far because you're a loyal listener. So are you, Heather DeBow. I look at these podcast analytics. Are they the best in the world? No. Are they the worst in the world? No. But I know who listens. I know who's a true homie. And I appreciate you all for that. So I will stop rambling. I'm going to go to work, see the Redskins lose tonight, pack for Los Angeles, go out to Kern County, have a good time out there, come back, and I will talk to you guys after that to talk about Martinsville, Kern County, and everything in between. Peace and love, my hombres.